In 2016, Brooks Orpik hit Ole Mata in the head. In 2017, Matt Niskanen cross-checked Sidney Crosby in the head. Yesterday, Tom Wilson hit Brian Dumoulin in the head. I'm beginning to think that chain of events is not a coincidence. The Washington Capitals are trying to hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they're doing a pretty good job of it, too. Dumo skated today. Don't know yet if he's going to play tomorrow. Gensel took a pounding yesterday. Played through it. Full credit to him. And the real problem is, there's no way to stop it. Ryan Reeves being there wouldn't stop it. The league won't stop it. So, it won't stop. The Penguins may lose a war of attrition. This is the Mark Madden Show. If I had a dime for every time I turned on the radio and heard somebody more charismatic than me, I would have zero dimes. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Madden X. The good news is, Brian Dumoulin did practice today. So did Carl Haglin and Evgeny Malkin. Dumoulin and Haglin were in no contact jerseys. Haglin wore a full face shield. Dumo says he felt good. And Haglin said he thinks he will play in this series, but isn't sure when. Sullivan says everyone is a game-time decision for tomorrow, and that includes Iceberg. Sullivan also said Daniel Sprong is an option. Yikes. The Capitals are trying to hurt the Penguins. No question about it. The Orpic hit. The cross-check by Niskanen. The Wilson hit. That all just isn't coincidence. I'm not sure it's premeditated or game-planned, but it's just understood. A nod and a wink. Wilson did not get a penalty or a suspension, not even a hearing. It's just another hockey play, I suppose. The belief is, at the Department of Player Safety, they apparently think Dumoulin moved his head at the last minute. Yep. And Wilson's shoulder and elbow moved right along with it. Now, all that said, the Penguins won a game in D.C., and you're coming back to PPG Paints Arena with home ice established for the series, and you got the best home ice record in the league. So please temper your outrage with an understanding that this series is there to be taken. If the Hornquist goal counts, I think the Penguins take that game to overtime. If the Verona goal gets waved off for goaltender interference, like it should have, I think the Penguins take that game to overtime. And that's where the use of replay is frustrating. I'm all for replay. Unless you blow the call even after replay. That Verona goal, by the standard we have seen, should have been disallowed. A capital pushed Murray's pad into the net with his stick seconds before the goal. And the Hornquist goal, I mean, A, there's a shot that shows the puck over the goal line. B, if the puck isn't in the net, then where is it? 
you have a clear shot of where it's not, so use common sense to deduce where it is. But I hear some people talking about that parallax effect, that nonsense. But the parallax effect is negated if the puck is flat like that puck was. Go back to watching X-Files. The Pens had plenty of chances yesterday and could have won that game. The most disturbing thing about the Pens so far in this series, after Ovechkin scored that goal 90 seconds into the game yesterday, the Caps had scored a goal 90 seconds or less in in three of the four periods in that series. The Verona goal was just 128 seconds into the second period yesterday. That is conceding an emotional swing to the other team far, far too often. We've got a great guest at 3.30. Other shows have Kevin Colbert, the Steelers GM, on before the draft when he can't name names, can't talk about the players. We're having him on the day after the draft concluded because then he can name names and talk about the guys the Steelers got. That Steelers GM Kevin Colbert at 3.30 right here on the X. Okay, now, getting back to that hit on Dumoulin. As Rob Rossi pointed out, Wilson and Ovechkin did the same thing to Wenberg in the Columbus series. They both go after the same guy and justify blasting the guy in the head by saying, oh, it's an awkward situation, lost my balance, blah, blah, blah. That's a crock. They do it on purpose. And there's no question Wilson intentionally targeted Dumoulin's head in an effort to injure. Zero question in my mind. But let's get a few things straight. If the Penguins still had Ryan Reeves, that would not prevent Wilson from being predatory. It just wouldn't. That's Wilson's job. If the Penguins still had Kunitz to run around blasting people, it would not prevent Wilson from being predatory. To repeat, that's Wilson's job. Guys like Wilson just play like that. And the only entity that could stop him is the NHL. And the NHL won't. Unfortunately, it goes back to the same old story. The NHL wants toughness to be as important as skill and wants that even more so in the playoffs. The NHL thinks that sells the game, which is absurd. Hits to the head do not sell the game. But the NHL wants a price to be paid in blood and brain cells in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's exactly what the NHL should not want. That's bad PR, and it might lead to big money jurisprudence somewhere down the road. But that's the NHL. But to get back to the series, you're one game all and you're coming home. The injuries are a problem. If Dumo can't go tomorrow, I guess Matt Hunwick would. He'd be rested anyway. We were a bit surprised Gino didn't play yesterday. It makes me wonder if Gino is hurt worse than we know, and him skating is just a decoy. What purpose that would serve, I do not know, but if some could talk about the parallax effect, I could talk like Oliver Stone shooting a conspiracy theory movie. But really, it's one game apiece, and that's what matters most. So again, we got a lot to discuss. Like I said, 
Kevin Colbert is going to join me at 3.30 to discuss the draft. And I thought the Steelers had a very good draft. I liked who they got. But I don't know how this draft helps the Steelers now. They are still barren at inside backer. Vince Williams, Bostick, and Dirty Red just aren't going to cut it. The Steelers can't win a championship with that division. It is just not possible. But they will still win the division. The Pirates lost five in a row, but now they've won five in a row. If your goal is to be competitive, so far they are, but it won't get them in the playoffs. Nick Kingham pitched six and two-thirds perfect innings yesterday in his big league debut. He's just your typical 26-year-old rookie between the Tommy John surgery and the Pirates wanting you to be eligible for Social Security before you start your service clock. So beat them bucks. Kevin Colbert at 3.30. I'm Mark Madden at 105.9. This is Carl Hagelin of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. As we've been talking about, uh, Tom Wilson hit Doomlin in the head yesterday. Knocked him out of the game. Maybe out of tomorrow's game. Doomlin did skate today. He's a game-time decision tomorrow. Wilson did not get a penalty or even a suspension. Not so much as a hearing. That's what happens when you make a goon like George Paros, the dean of discipline. George Paros, that clown from Washington, PA, with the ridiculous porn star mustache, played in the league despite having not an ounce of hockey talent, and now they make that ex-thug the dean of discipline. If you don't suspend Wilson for that hit, which clearly targeted Dumoulin's head, there's no point in even having a Department of Player Safety uh, because there's zero consideration for player safety. Ken Dryan, the former goalie, maybe the best goalie ever. He's a Hall of Famer, an Ivy League grad, and a lawyer. Dryan says any hit to the head should be penalized whether accidental or intentional. As Dryden says, the brain doesn't know the difference between accidental and intentional. The brain just gets damaged, so penalize any hit to the head. I'm going to go with the Ivy League guy, the lawyer, the six-time Stanley Cup champion, the greatest goalie ever. I'm going to agree with him and not the thug without an ounce of hockey talent and a porn star mustache. Like Chris Letang said today after practice, the players don't know what's legal and illegal anymore. Uh, we got Kevin Colbert on next, the Steelers general manager. To repeat, I like the Steelers draft a lot. I did. Edmonds was a, a bit of a reach to safety, but he's a hybrid. And I suppose the Steelers will go dime on passing downs. Uh, and probably use three safeties and one inside backer. I love James Washington, the receiver from Oklahoma State, best deep threat in the draft. Mason Rudolph, the quarterback from Oak State, can be a legitimate successor to Ben. Some folk thought Rudolph was the second or third best quarterback in the draft, right up there with them first-round guys. So we will see what Kevin Colbert has to say. The Steelers never draft for right now. They don't care about Ben's window. They take the best athlete available and strive for consistency. 
they do what they do, and how can you criticize it? I will say, maybe they should have traded up to get that inside backer, Rashawn Evans or whoever, even if they had to overpay, because it is going to be really tough to win with that defense, to beat good teams in playoff games with that defense. Not that I give a rat's ass what Mel Kuyper thinks, the ESPN draft, Nick, but he said the Steelers had the worst draft in the AFC North. He only gave it a C plus because Kuyper said the first-round risk uh, with Edmonds is too high and because the Steelers didn't get the inside linebacker they needed. Here's a statement by Kuyper that I, 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 I see where he's coming from. He said he really liked every pick the Steelers made except the first-round pick. And he said that's very rare for any team in any draft since he's been covering it, that he liked every pick but the first-round pick. I get that. I think there's more there with Edmonds than maybe Kuyper seeing, but I do get where he's coming from. Here's an interesting tweet from Daniel Carcillo former NHL uh, pest, utterly talentless, but I, I agree with the tweet here. They need to stop putting scared individuals in the position of power to make these types of decisions. Just gas Tom Wilson for the rest of the series. Send a message. Head hits will not be tolerated. And he tags in the NHL player safety department. He's right on the money. And I like what Carcillo said about scared individuals. A guy like George Paros, let's face it, George Paros didn't have an ounce of hockey talent. He was a borderline guy to make the roster every year he was in the NHL. And now he's the head of the Department of Player Safety? He's a nobody. He's small potatoes. He's going to be scared for his job and scared of pissing off people in charge, scared of pissing off the Washington Capitals. Then again, he's pissed off the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then again, Hockey always errs on the side of stupidity. And if that sounds dumb, well, I feel no less dumb for having to say it over and over and over again because the NHL won't change. Hockey won't change. By the way, uh, people in Washington, PA, who think I'm being hard on George Paros, maybe even some of his relatives, I'd like to just say he's an imbecile and should not have played one day in the league, and he's a worthless human being who's conspiring to ruin hockey. And if you're one of his relatives, I want you to feel terrible that I said that and tell him that I said that. Kevin Colbert up next, 105.9. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. They're going to nail us no matter what we do, so we might as well have a good time. Toga, toga. The X at 105.9. My guest right now has more time to watch hockey now that the NFL draft is over. From the Steelers, we welcome General Manager Kevin Colbert. Uh, Kevin, we will get to the Penguins in a bit, but uh, let's talk about the draft first. Before we discuss your picks, let me ask, did you try to trade up to get an inside backer, and what were the obstacles? Well, Mark, you know, we knew we knew the group of inside backers that were available. We knew they're they're all really good players. We kind of had an idea where they might get picked, and we knew the cost to go up. And then when we were able to trade Martavis and pick up an extra third, uh, that in you know that gave us extra ammunition to try to go up. But in the end, when you know when 
when we looked at everything and we understood that the certain guys might be gone, we were very happy. And we recognize that Terrell Edmonds, if available at 28, would be would would have been our pick anyway. And we were real happy that 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 transpired as it did because he can do you know he can do a lot of different things. And we were just happy that he was there at 28. Let's talk about Terrell Edmonds, your first round pick, the safety from Virginia Tech. I've heard it described as a hybrid. Uh, what does that mean, Kevin? And is he a hybrid? Well, you know he's. He's just under six one. He played about two hundred and seventeen. He, he runs at low four fours. He's very physical and he can cover. And you know he's played in the box as a strong safety. He's been in the post. He's been in in the slot. He's been at some nickel linebacker. And not only be able to do those things physically, but to be able to handle those things intellectually from a football mentality standpoint, um, that was very intriguing to us because in in today's NFL. You really got to have guys that are that are going to um, be able to get into and out of situations. I mean, you know, NFL offenses are such that they, if they think a player's better or worse in a certain situation, they'll try to get that player lined up um, against you. Just like we we kind of do that with Le'Veon, you go into certain matchups and maybe get him matched up against someone you think he can beat. So you got to have players that have that flexibility that can't get out. Um, out positioned by another team strategy, and we think Terrell has that off, you know, those abilities. Now, now, a lot of people didn't rate him as a first rounder. What convinced the Steelers that he was? And, and you must have been confident he would not be there when you picked in the second round, correct? Yeah, no question. I mean, we we had um, you know, by the time we pick a guy, Mark, we usually have five or six opinions, and there wasn't anybody. Um, between our scouts, myself, and our, our coaches that didn't think he was a first-round talent. Um, you know, he, he missed uh, – he only played 10 games for, for Virginia Tech last year because he played a whole year with a shoulder that he injured in training camp, and, you know, he took it as far as he could and then shut it down after 10 games to have surgery. Um, and that may have hurt him in some people's eyes, but in our opinion, he was clearly a first-round pick. And, again, that we made that determination really throughout the spring, and we're real happy, like I said, that he was there at 28. Do you feel he can play some right away? Well, I think the intellect is, is usually the thing that holds the kids coming back from or coming in from the colleges, but that was one thing that stood out about him. Uh, when you talk to him about what was happening on a certain play and how – the motion he he just recognized changed him from a strong to a free, and what the other guys had to do. Um, I think he'll be ahead of the ahead of the pace in that regard. So I think he'll be a quicker study than most young players are. But you know that all remains to be seen until they get out there and do it. Nobody knows. How much will roster composition potentially affect the Steelers' scheme on defense? Uh, I've heard the phrase "heavy dime" used with three safeties which, of course, could involve Edmonds. Uh, how much will you temper the, the, the game plan based on who you have? Well, I think all that, um, it's going to be determined by who these new guys are in the back end because, really, we have, you know, Sean Davis could get moved from the strong safety alignment to the free, and you know, Morgan Burnett, who we brought in, does a lot of the same things at the NFL level that Terrell did in the college level. He's played three different, four different spots. And then you you add in Terrell, and then you add in Marcus Marcus Allen, who we took in the um, in the fifth round, and you try to sort through these guys and figure out what they can and can't do. But in all honesty, you know 
we're a, we're a nickel defense is our starting defense. You know, we're in a sub-package defense 70% of the time. So really the old 3-4, um, our base defense, you might only be in 20, 25%. So, you know, it's it's a different game now. And, you know, we really have 12 starters on defense. That slot corner like Mike Hilton, I mean, he's really a starter in today's game. Do you have enough an inside backer, Kevin? Do you guys feel like that group is good enough? Well, you know, when we lost Ryan, we understand, look, you're not going to replace Ryan Shazier. And, and the unfortunate thing last year, in the same quarter that Ryan got hurt in, Tyler Medikevich got hurt as well. And, you know, had he had the opportunity to finish out the season, it might be a different discussion. So Tyler's coming back healthy. We added John Bostic. And, again, we'll see how that group fits and, and what they can do and how much they're going to play in conjunction, in connection with these with these safeties. I think we have some options. Um, those guys, uh, again, John Bostic came in and played 14 games for the Colts last year and got himself on track. Tyler's done some real good things for us on special teams, but he has to prove that he can be a, a defensive player as well. So um, time will tell, and that's, that's something that you know we'll always be watching. I think I already know the answer to this one, but were you tempted at all to take an inside backer in the first two or three rounds just for the take a, sake of taking an inside backer? Only if they were only if they warranted the pick, the value of the pick, and um, so you weren't going to jump uh, an, an inferior inside backer over a guy you liked in another position uh, mm, better. No, that's that's always been, in our opinion, that's a that's a mistake, and at some point you'll regret it. And you know, when we looked at that group, there were some special guys, and then there was a bunch of guys that can do you know, one or two things that you want linebackers to do, you know, to the NFL-type level. Maybe they were better first and second down run defenders, but they were third down pass defenders could help you on special teams. But really the, the group that could really help you on all four downs, there wasn't that many. So it was a good group. Um, we did what we – when you look at those guys and – and you look as to what's available, when it's available. Um, you, you try to stay true to that board, and Coach was Coach was real good about doing that because there was some times where there was some position-type players available, and when we looked at it, um, he was comfortable in staying with the higher-rated guys. We're talking to Steelers general manager Kevin Colbert here on 105.9 The X. You got James Washington in the second round, a wide receiver from Oak State. Was he the best deep threat in the draft? That seems to be his calling card. You know, he's caught 38 touchdowns. Um, and you look at him and he's, you know, he's just under six foot. You know, he's going to run in the low four fives. Um, but he's got 38 touchdowns in his career. So, you know, James does a nice job of setting up the deep routes, positioning with the ball in the air, and then completing the catch. Uh, it's not necessarily running away from folks, but it's the, the ability to make that catch deep. A lot of the same qualities that Juju Smith-Schuster had, um, you know, they're not the fastest, but for some reason they don't get caught and they get deep and make big catches. So James had that ability, but, you know, because we don't have Mark Tavis anymore, Eli Rogers isn't re-signed at this point, you really were looking for a combination, a guy that could get deep and who may be also able to help out in the slot over time. So we hope in James we got a guy that can play and help us in two different areas. Um, and, and again, time will tell. Is Mason Rudolph the likely successor to Ben at quarterback? Was that pick made with that in mind? 
Well, you know what, Mark, it's another option. Um, you know, as long as you got a guy like Ben, who's, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback, um, you, you're always going to be, as long as he's healthy and playing at the level that we, we think he'll play at until the day he decides to retire, you're never going to be in a position where you're going to have the opportunity to draft those quarterbacks. You know, when we drafted Ben, um, that was our worst, that was our highest draft position since the uh, the since the Plexico Burrs pick. And fortunately that year there was three Hall of Fame quarterbacks available and we got one of them. But rarely are you going to be in that type of position. So we had, you know, we had first-round grades on Mason. And um, we looked at it. And, of course, we weren't going to address it real high because, again, Ben has, you know, we hope those three years that he talks about left. But when you get to the third round, it's like, no, guys, you're going to make a mistake if we leave this guy out here. And it's it's something you might not regret in 2018, but in 2021 you'll be hitting yourself in the head. So we think he was a first-round talent. We think he can be a starting, winning NFL quarterback at some point. And who knows where that point is. That's nothing against Landry or Joshua Dobbs. It's just the opportunity to add that, that fourth guy to this mix. And you probably weren't going to have that opportunity somewhere down the road, so we had to cash in on it. Well, you mentioned that you guys feel Mason Rudolph uh, was a first-round talent. And I've seen a lot of people agree with that, Kevin. In fact, I've seen draft nicks, uh, that think he's comparable to some of the quarterbacks that did go in the first round. What makes him good? Well, you know, he's the size is there. The uh, the arm talent is there, the intellect and the production. It, it all adds up, you know. And you talk about, um, you know, kids coming out of colleges. You know, sometimes they have inflated stats. So what we try to do is sort through what we think are routine type throws and look for NFL type throws. And you know, Mason certainly made and, and was successful on his share of those types of throws. Um, so really, it, it really wasn't that hard of a decision. Is he a scrambler? No. Is he a guy that can move around and create throws in the pocket? Yes. So, you know, he had one throw against Pitt where pocket broke down on him. He flushed, got out to the left, and, you know, is flushed the wrong way, and he throws it 50 yards down the field for a touchdown. So those types of things, um, the talent's certainly there, the intellect, the sideline demeanor, all that was a positive for us. Uh, the fourth-round pick from Western Michigan, the tackle, how do you pronounce his name, Kevin? Because I don't want to sound stupid. You know, it's Chukwuma Okorafor. So we just call him, his nickname is Chukes, and we'll just, you know, we got a little hockey. We'll use the nickname on that <laughs> one. But he's, a, uh, he's an interesting kid because he's, um, again, that fourth-round um, we had him graded better than that, and he has the ability to someday be a, a starting tackle. Um, he is. He's very you can talented. never have too many of those, can you? You can't because there's not that many, and you're never usually in a position to take one. Um, we've only since we've had Coach Munchak, we've only drafted one offensive lineman. But he's done, you know, Coach Munch has done such a great job with a guy like Alejandra Villanueva, and um, you know, last year Chris Hubbard goes and is a high priority free agent when he hit free agency and you know we got him you know we gave him to coach munch as a free agent so chooks has a lot of talent um he's still learning the game he only started playing when he was a sophomore in high school so there's um you know you use that term upside a lot but this is a kid that really it really ranks um that's what he's got what was the reasoning behind the martavis bryant trade to oakland for third round pick how much of that was about getting the pick 
How much was about uh, uh, getting rid of Martavis, and how much had to do with you know his off the field issues? Well, really, the off the field stuff. He's put that in his past, and to his credit, you know, he got back last year and and did a nice job. You know, usually the percentage of the kids that end up with a one year suspension of making it and coming back and being productive isn't real high. So to his credit, he was able to do that. You know, and really, you look down the road, and chances are he wasn't. You know, because we have Antonio and because we have uh, Juju, he probably wouldn't have been a guy that would want to stay here when he becomes a free agent. You know, when you look at guys like that, he's going to be a priority to somebody, and we probably would have gotten a third-round compensatory pick, but that wouldn't have been until 2020. So teams were inquired about him, really, since he got back with us. But it was never enough to say, yeah, let's, let's do it, because I'd rather have the player um, than a in the third round down the road than a not having the player and having a lower pick. But when, you know, when Oakland got to the third round, um, it opened up our eyes and said, no, this is something we should do because, again, it gave us more ammunition to maybe trade up. It gave us the ammunition and it ended up being the pick that we used on Mason Rudolph. So somewhere down the road, um, that could be a substantial pick. Now, I want to clarify the Steelers' uh, method of drafting, which should be pretty obvious by now, but you guys don't skew your draft to concentrate on, on, on one year ever, right? Or, or in this case, really, Ben's three-year window. It, it really is just strictly a best athlete, isn't it? It is, Mark, but it's relative. I mean, if, if there's a player, and you know I don't like the word need, I like the word want. I know if we have a want for a position and, and a, that player's available and he's rated um, equally to or just, you know, in the close vicinity to the other, of course, we'll take the player of one. Um, and we did it this year with James Washington. You know, you're always you're measuring your 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 wanting to win a championship in eighteen. That's our that's our main focus. But we're not going to lose sight of you know keeping this franchise um, competitive year in and year out. So we looked and we actually talked about taking Mason Rudolph um, with the second pick. And then we decided, no, let's help the let's help the 2018 team with James Washington. If Mason happens to be there with our first third round pick, then we'll jump on it. And fortunately, he was there. But that's a case where you're always you're measuring now versus the future. And, and our job is to is to make the most of both of those situations. So hopefully, we did. Okay, now with this football stuff, where where's the Penguin series at? What do you make of it? Well, you know what, and. It, you know this as well as I do. I've, I've learned a long time ago with this group of guys, never doubt them. Um, every time they've been faced with a challenge, they've won. And, you know, they did it last year during the playoffs when, you know, they, they were down a game and they had to go on the road or they had a guy injured or whatever. Every challenge this group has been faced with, they've overcome it. I mean, I remember – during this season, you know, they were, beginning of the year, they weren't playing real good. They played real bad. I happened to be at the game against Carolina. And that was the night they had to fly to the New York to play the Islanders. And they had their flight canceled. They had to go the next day, take a two-hour bus trip. But from that point forward, they really played their best hockey. So I think any time this group has been faced with something, they always get, they always come through the other side. So, okay, it's a... It's a five-game series. They got the home ice, but you know, I know in their eyes, it's a it's a one-game series, and that's tomorrow night. And I have no doubt that this group will face that challenge and come through it because they've proven it 
game in and game out. So I'm excited. I'll be there. I know you'll be there, and it's going to be fun. No question. What what you make of that hit to the head by Wilson? It seems like all the sports can't get away from hits to the head. No, you know what? And you know, hits to the head are something we're all trying to get out. Um, in our game, intent is not a uh, is not an excuse. Um, you know, it's on a defender. You know, and in Ryan Dumoulin's case, he was a defenseless player. I know they don't manage it; they don't call it that way. But it, you've got to take and punish those hits to the head, or they're not going to go away. It's unfortunate because. You know, the flip side of it, whether he plays or not, that's that he didn't play the rest of that game. And, you know, the player didn't get penalized. He didn't get suspended. So, you know, you hate to say they won in that situation because Dumoulin wasn't able to come back. But hits to the head, there's no room for him in any sport. Intent, you can argue that all the time. But um, you got to take the intent away from it and just recognize that the hits are not good for any sport. Let's get them out. Um, intentional or not if you if you take away that 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 uh that excuse it'll help well can we ever get all those hits out of our sports probably not because it's just contact contact sports at very high levels but if you take away the opportunity to have an excuse of intent or accident um i I think it'll help you get those hits out boy forget gm kevin you should be head of the department of player safety and hockey. Hey, great stuff. Thank you, as always, for taking the time. Hope to see you at the game tomorrow night. All right, Marky. Take care. That's Kevin Colbert. Whoever thought, like, a, a guy from Shaler and a guy from North Catholic High School would someday be on the radio talking about how to pronounce Shukwuma Oak, Oak, Chooks, right? That's his nickname? We're going to go with Chooks. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. This is Justin Schultz of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the Best Hockey Talk on 105.9 The X. The Penguins lost the playoff game. That's going to happen once in a while. Last year, the Penguins lost nine playoff games, and they still won the Stanley Cup. But the overreaction of the idiot Yokel Yinzer fans hit rears its head every single time. They never should have traded for Broussard. Latang stinks. What's wrong with Kessel? Murray's glove is so bad. Yo, it's a long two months. You know who had a terrible playoff last year? Chris Kunitz. He only scored two goals in the whole playoffs. But they both came in Game 7 against Ottawa, and the second one was in overtime. Not every player is going to contribute every night. As long as the player gives 100%, you hope if it's a forward, the production will come. And ultimately, it is about production. But the Penguins have only played eight playoff games. Be patient. Kessel's playing hurt. That's pretty evident. I hear people bitching that Ovi scored over Murray's glove. Yeah, okay, legit complaint because Ovi only has 660 goals total on his career, regular season and playoffs, and I think that's the first of those that beat the goaltender over the glove. Yang Flurry's crank on your own time, lovers. There are so many ups and downs in the course of a playoff, and you would think, given what we've seen here in Pittsburgh... This fan base would understand, but it doesn't. 
That's No Quarter. Brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Something stupid happened at the Pirate Game last week. We'll talk about it in just a moment. 105.9 The X.